nightmare before Christmas. One win in seven at home. They've lost more games since October at Carrow Road than they have in their previous two championship seasons. It's an incredible state of affairs and I think it's fair to say that Norwich City supporters have certainly reached their tipping point with Dean Smith and what they're currently seeing at Norwich City Football Club. Uh, I'm Connor Southwell, joined by Paddy Davitt and Adam Harvey in the wake of well, I mean, what even word would you describe to use what we saw at Carrow Road today? Um, just an incredible, and for all the wrong reasons, state of affairs. This is uh, the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio. Paddy Davitt, um, let's start with Dean Smith because that's going to be the, the, the subject of debate um, amongst Norwich City fans. Today, tomorrow, and probably until they kick off against Luton on Boxing Day, you spoke to him after the game first and foremost. What... What did you make of his demeanour, of his comments, of how he approached perhaps some of the questions that were that were pushed in his direction? Um, well, fair play to him. I'll give him his due that he came out and he didn't didn't dead back anything or knock anything away. I mean, there's a few managers might have chosen a different tack, so I'll give him that. But but then you know what he went on to say and. You know, this talk about there's a narrative around him and his style of play, and you know how difficult it is for even his experienced players at Car Road. I mean, it's then almost thankful that maybe the next game is away, a Luton on Boxing Day. I mean, all of that, um, you know, is is only going to well, it's going to pour fuel on it already on, on what was you know quite an unprecedented evening that we've all been party of to there. You know, to to get that reaction directed at him. And also, you know, about his style of football and, you know, some choice language as well, leaving anybody who was there in no doubt that, um, you know, it's hard to see how he remains in post and it's only the sort of horse trading in between the point where it's Dean Smith, no longer Norwich head coach, that would appear to be having to play it out now because it's hard to see how you come back from a night like that, the reaction of the fan base... Um, and you know, seemingly he feels it's unfair and it's unjustified and can't quite get his head around it. But I think to to reverse that, there's quite a few Norwich fans I'm sure can't get their head around how this group of players are performing so poorly. You know, one win in seven now at Carrow Road in the league is frankly relegation form. So you know, for him to say that if they won tonight they'd gone third, factual. If they'd gone into this game on the back of three wins in five, factual. But you know, read the room and feel the mood, and it's toxic, and um, and it's bigger than just Dean Smith. And but I do give him credit that because he has unfortunately had to carry the can and be the public face of this organisation for for too long now. Um, and others in more senior positions than him have hitherto declined uh, to stick their head above the parapet. And I think that probably the time is long overdue. So you know, ultimately the focus is going to be on Dean Smith in the here and now because it's him who's putting a failing team on the pitch. He's responsible for that. Um, and we'll drill down into you know many aspects around that. But he's just a symptom of a bigger malaise. And um, you know it's a concerning one if you're a Norwich fan, I think, this evening, because it isn't just about a team incapable of winning games consistently and performing in a style that people can rally around. It's what does it say about the direction of the club and the direction of travel. And um, as I say, you know, these are, these are troubling times, I would say, if you're an Orange fan tonight. Yeah, we're going to unpick a lot of that, including 
the wider state of the club because Dean Smith is going to take the brunt of it. He is going to be a perhaps even a shield for some of those um, in, in the background, and, and we'll speak about a lot of this. But Adam, you, you were also in the room when when Dean Smith was speaking. Um, it's it's very difficult for a manager, and we've all seen it. We all know what football's like. When uh, I'm going to quote a former prime minister here, but when the herd moves, it moves. And you got the sense today that Norwich City fans had seen enough and have had enough of what they've seen. Yeah, I think that's been boiling under for quite a few home games now. Obviously, the end of that Borough game, there was a lot of frustration and a few boos. But I think you know, as soon as that that first goal goes in today, and Norwich are very very poor in that first half. You know, they've got one shot on target, Hayden's header. Aside from that, nothing in terms of um, you know positive for for the fans to get behind. Um, uh, you just sort of felt you could feel it growing. I think as the game went on, it, it only grew louder and then obviously towards the end Blackburn get the second goal and I felt like pretty much the whole Barkley and Snake pit were all in unity chanting you know Dean Smith out and, and various other choice words of language um, and it, it, yeah it's, it's tough for Dean Smith obviously you know he's he's come into this to the club you know obviously there's a lot of expectation at the start of the season his argument that Norwich are still in the playoffs is you know they've now got a fully fit squad those kind of excuses are soon going to be redundant if they so they go lose at Luton as well, and then they maybe drop out of the, the playoffs. So um, yeah, really struggling to to see a way back for him now. Particularly, um, you know, going to Luton, even if they then, I say, only get a draw or they lose that game, then come back to Carrow Road to, for that Reading game. You know, no one's going to be behind him from the start. So if you know, it just feels like it's going to get even more toxic if they then go and, you know, lost to Red, lost to Reading at home as well. So there's no way back, I don't think. And um, I felt, despite his sort of bullish nature in the in the post match reaction, you know, he sort of still. Feels that he's the man, and that the you know Stuart Webber's still got his back in. Um, that's the sort of thing I think most managers would say. So, fair play to him for that. But yeah, I'm struggling to see a way back. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this quote to you, Paddy. This is one that he gave to Radio Norfolk. I believe he gave one very very similar to you. Uh, he said the narrative has been. I'm quoting Dean Smith here. The narrative has been set. A lot of them fans have been wanting for this to happen. Uh, has been waiting for this to happen. Sorry, or wanted it to. Fortunately, our next game is away from home. We feel like we have to score two very quick goals at home to get people on our side. Um, it's not the fans that pick the team. It's not the fans that coach the team. It's not the fans that get a team relegated. It's not the fans that have made this team underperform. It's not the fans who are, um, who are in charge of throwing on substitutes and changing games and making decisions at the club. Comments like that aren't going to win him any favours, are they? No, and he said the exact same thing to me in, in the post-match and I'd advise anybody who's listening to this who haven't already, go to our Pinkin YouTube channel. You'll see the full video there. Um, but fundamentally, and we, we're watching, actually we're recording the reaction to those comments on social media and, um, you know, if there was any debate, I don't think there will be now as this ripples out that essentially he wants to, you know, hold the mirror up and, and reflect it back towards the Norwich fan base. I think he said similar things or inferred similar things in, in these recent times that, you know, fans have been too quick maybe to jump on them. There was the anecdote around the looting game when they lost at Carrow Road and he unprompted talked about the reaction at half time at that game um, and how that, you know, bled into maybe the Luton players getting a lift from that. So we've had this before, but obviously nothing quite as... Um, combative as that he's obviously hurting he feels he's got it in the neck for quite a large portion of that second half and maybe you know it's the human reaction to sort of give a bit back but it's not going to do him any favours and um, and fundamentally you know 
I think those fans have been very patient. Uh, and even after the... Because basically what we had was 10 minutes into the second half was when we first felt, I think I tweeted it, at this crowd of turn now. That was the first. But thereafter, he brought Hernandez on, he brought Liam Gibbs on. And the fans did get behind them and they had a good go. But obviously the second one goes in so late, then, you know, it's going to switch back again. Um, and it did. But, you know, fundamentally, uh, those Norwich fans deserve better than what they've been served up, particularly at Carrow Road. Um, and to, to even infer, let alone come out as blatantly as that and say that there's a there's a narrative, almost as an agenda against Conspiracy. him or his coaching, yeah. whatever words you want to use. But, but ultimately that it... Where we are isn't a result of him, his methods, his coaching staff, those players, the people above them, the whole club basically is um, is fanciful, it's delusional in fact. So, you know, he's certainly not gone for the diplomatic approach there in his post-match, but there, there's, a, there's a guy on a human level who's, you know, had however many th- tens of thousands or thousands directly questioning him and his methods and, you know, you know he's been asked questions directly and he's answered them directly, but his answers will do him no favours and... Um, you know, as I say, it feels like it's it's gone beyond the point of no return now. But you know, fundamentally, if he actually feels that, then um, you know, it probably is better for him and uh, and all concerned that they're at Luton on Boxing Day. And and as it stands, as we record this this evening, he's still in charge. I put it to him directly: Did he expect to be having conversations of an urgent nature with Stuart Weber? And his response was, No, I don't. I won't go looking for Stuart. Whether Stuart comes looking for him is another matter entirely. Um, because you know. The elements of the board who were there tonight, they won't have liked what they heard. They won't have liked what they felt. Um, and the status quo, it feels like, is not the the option of choice. Something has to happen. Something has to change. What that is, we will find out in the coming days. But, uh, you know, fundamentally, there isn't... I don't don't buy this, that there was, there was a narrative around him and his style of play, that he wasn't Farker, he isn't Daniel Farker, he isn't Fark Ball. If he'd have put... put uh, a methodology in place that was residually effective in terms of winning games and performing, um, attacking football, which he said, you know, I remember one of his quotes was, you look at my Brentford team, you look at my Villa team, we were an attacking side, front foot side. Palpably, he hasn't been able to translate that to to Norwich City um, and the results tell you that and also the performances as well. So I think he needs to look a bit closer to home, frankly, before before he sort of, um, you know, tries to deflect that and say that there's it's actually not him it's not his coach it's not his players there's a narrative around him and and what he's not what he's what he's tried to do because fundamentally I try and detach all the emotion out of it you know and you come back to the stats and the stats tell you in the last 21 points available at Carrow Road in the championship for a group of players and a club who said promotion was the justifiable aim three points from those 21 that's not good enough that isn't to do with fans narrative uh, anything else ephemeral or peripheral it's to do with Dean Smith and his inability to get a performance level out of this group of players which is better than three points from 21 Bang on it's, and it's not the fans who have set those expectations either that they were set Dean Smith has said before that um, it would be a top two he felt this group was good enough to get a top two finish Stuart Webber said in the summer he felt it would it would be a squad good enough to get a, a, a top two finish this does not look like a squad that's going to get a top two finish. And, and, and you have to measure them against the bar that Dean Smith, that Stuart Webber, that the club have attached to this squad. They feel this group was good enough or is good enough to bounce back at the first time of asking Adam. We're halfway through the season. Do, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it seems a silly question, but do, do you feel that they're, they're good enough to do that? Because 
on, certainly on the evidence of what I've seen this season, I haven't watched probably any minute of football and felt that this Norwich City group looks capable of achieving automatic promotion. And we're 23 games in. Yeah, they're, they're miles off it at the moment. They don't even really look like a side that's going to compete for the playoffs at the moment. It feels like they're almost in like a, a bit of a free fall. I think you know there was probably this reset period over the World Cup and they obviously went out to Tampa. It felt like maybe this was the chance to turn the season, turn the tide and, and there'll be a more positive outlook. They then go to Swansea, very poor performance to get the result. But you know you felt that that was not really a, a true representation of that game. Any team with a little bit more cutting edge up front beats Norwich City quite comfortably that day, 3 or 4 nil. Luckily, Swansea were... We're poor in that department. Um, you come into this game against Blackburn, third versus fourth, or, or fourth versus fifth, as it ended up being just before the, for the game because of Watford's victory. But um, again, absolute dross. Um, really, really struggling to, to put, you know, put this into words, just how poor they were. Um, and it's not down to the playing squad. They've got players there that are more than capable of proving themselves in the championship. Timu Puki's a, a you know, he loves loves the gold in the championship. You know they've got players there, Kenny McLean. He's obviously had two title um, promotions on his CV. They've got players there that are not performing to the levels. That, you know, obviously they're a little bit older now. There's you know there's there's been mitigating factors so far this season. They've had obviously the injury issues as well during the season, which Dean Smith's used, but they don't even have that at the moment because you know they've now got a fully fit squad aside from what Byram and and Jacob Sorensen. So yeah, really really struggling to see now unless they change. A manager where where else they can change anything because the playing squad you know they know that there's not a lot of money to spend in January if any so they're gonna have the same playing squad so someone's got to come in and, and revitalize this squad and I really don't feel that Dean Smith's the man particularly now that the fan base have turned I don't see there's a way that the fans then get back on side with Dean Smith they've not really been on side with him probably ever since he's arrived and obviously you know there's obviously this you know love love and emotional attachment to Daniel Farker but you know I don't think that's as Paddy kind of alluded to, if uh, if Dean Smith was playing good football, Norwich are winning games, he would have the same love as what Daniel Farker had. So, um, yeah, I feel like the only way now that, that they progress forward and maybe do have a chance of a you know a playoff push or, or maybe even top two if they can really turn the form around is is in the form of a change of manager and probably similar to the to the time with Alex Neil where it just felt like that season was petering off and. He kind of came in, new ideas, fans got on board straight away and that momentum just took them through to the playoffs and then obviously it was a magical end and promotion back to the Premier League. Yeah, this 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 is not about Daniel Farker. It's not about people harping back to, to past glories. This is about what people are seeing on this pitch in, on the pitch at the moment in time and it's it's not good enough for a Norwich City team to have one win in, uh, in seven at home. Um, it's not good enough for a Norwich City team not to have won back-to-back games since September and to be seven points off the top two. Th- those are not statistics that a Norwich City team in the Championship, particularly having just come down, particularly having players who have played in the Premier League last season, whether you think they're Premier League quality or not. And, and look, ultimately, Norwich fans have... I certainly I feel being quite fair to Dean Smith. He's had over a year in charge now. In that time, they got relegated with 22, 21 points um, in, in pretty disastrous fashion. I think most people took the context of that when perhaps other clubs and other people at other clubs wouldn't have done. Um, and this season, as we said, the, the, they, they clearly feel the style of football isn't what they want to be seeing, but also that the results aren't what they want to be seeing. And when you hear a head coach talk about well, we had 60% possession and we had 17 shots and all of this. He knows, and, and everyone else knows as well, there's statistics that you have to put into perspective. Today, for example, Norwich City were behind in, in, in the fourth minute. That creates a game state where Blackburn are going to hold on to what they have. Similarly, by the way, to what Norwich City did last weekend when everyone was talking, or some people were talking about how well they defended their own penalty area. So 
there is context between um, in, in in terms of how you use these statistics. And again, you can, it's the old saying, isn't it? You can you can alter the stats to whatever your point of view is. But I mean, Paddy, it 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 doesn't feel particularly credible to be talking about possession and shots where Norwich City realistically in this game. The only major chance that I can think of off the top of my head, and I've, I've kind of wrapped through the game, was a Josh Sargent header in stoppage time when they were already 2-0 down. It's, it's, it's hard to see how, because at the moment, and I said this in my verdict, it feels like, uh, certainly on the pitch, and we'll, we'll move, we'll put everything else in context in a little bit later, but it feels at the moment like they're on a crash collision course and no one's doing anything to try and alter events or push on the brakes or pull the handbrake up or try and use the steering wheel it just feels like they're kind of driving straight into it yeah it's rudderless yeah I mean what's that phrase definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and trying and hoping there's going to be a different outcome but the reality is the only outcome that is going to be is uh, well what we're seeing this evening unfortunately and it's, and it, and it's not going to get any better um, by doing the same things that, I mean he, made, he named an unchanged lineup tonight and I could not fathom that at all between you know Swansea and what we saw today and that's not being wise after the event we did the team news uh, albeit we had a few audio issues we apologise for that but um, even then in that pre-hour before the kickoff, because of what we hadn't seen with the ball I, I couldn't fathom it I could not fathom why he's gone with the same personnel again pretty Norwich much the, didn't have a shot after same 39 system. minutes last no week. I know yeah so yet he's gone with that group of players again and, and then we find out after the game no Cantwell um no fitness issue there, just not selected. No Ramsey, he wanted to go with Nunes on the bench. But, you know, Nunes over Ramsey, who's going to have more of an impact in terms of the final third? It's pretty clear to me. And and above all that, Sonani retains his place. And again, you know, didn't really do too much in terms of end product creativity. There was one or two nice moments, but not enough, not enough. And, you know, ultimately, I think we're at, we're, we've arrived at this point tonight because there is no credit in the bank, because it, this isn't a blip after a really consistent, yep, I see what Smith's methods are about now. We, we've obviously got past the post-relegation uh, and all the angst that came through that and the squad that he'd effectively inherited, hadn't had a pre-season to put his stamp on it. So we'll give him all that. We'll give him that leeway. But here we are now, 23 games into a new season. This is his group in terms of these are his players now because he's he's continuing to select these players even if they were there here before he arrived it's certainly his methods in terms of what he's asking to do with and without the ball and there's no discernible robust um, template that I can see that is good enough to be competing right at the top end I mean I think what's masking it is that they have hovered because of those patches of bursts of winning football and results that they've managed to hover in a very bang average championship, it would appear this season, to be in and around the top six. And they've never really dropped below that watermark. But that maybe is, has bought him a bit more time than he, he would have done if they'd have been listing in, in the middle of the table um, and masked a lot of the issues. But fundamentally, from what we've seen, half a season in now, does this manager get this group out of this division? Very, very hard. Nigh on impossible to say yes. So if you're above him, you have to make that calculation and make it with a view to salvaging the season and still having a, a good chance at getting out of the division. The longer they leave it, um, and it continues on this trajectory, then you know the gaps will be. T- I mean, you've talked there seven points out of the side, the top two was it tonight? Um, 
You know, and, and Sheffield United have a game in hand as well. So, I mean, we could be conceivably get into a position where very close order around the turn of the year, then, you know, what is left for them to play for? So, you know, fundamentally, there is an urgency now to this uh, and what happens from here. And um, and it needs to move on from maybe Dean Smith and, and what he has said, what he hasn't said, to, to what happens next, I think. Yeah, agreed. Adam, how much responsibility do the players have to take for this? That That seems to be an inevitable question because... In football, everything does go to the manager. The chancellor at the manager, um, it was directed at him. The the talk about his football was there, there was some some boos we saw when when Norwich City were playing the ball um, around their back four. <laughs> there was then some boos when when they were trying to play it a little bit longer. It was just a general discontent. But but how much responsibility do those players have to take for what we've seen from Norwich City so far this season? You know, they have to take a percentage of the blame. Um, they've all. Well, a lot of this squad have played in the championship before, been successful in the championship before. You know, there's obviously the argument whether they're being poorly coached, and there's been obviously issues in terms of probably being on the the training pitch so far this season because you know there has been a, a fairly congested fixture list, but that's been the same for every other team, so that's not an excuse. There's obviously players like Sargent who's not played in this division before yet; he's almost taken the you know the ball by the horns, and he's really you know starred in in this team, so. I think there's probably a lot of people behind the scenes that need to take as much blame as what Dean Smith does as well. You know, there's obviously been a massive silence, you know, in terms of the club. Um, there's not really been any sort of explanation for why they've been so poor other than through Dean Smith. And yeah, I think there's, there is players that are under underperforming, but is that coming from Dean Smith? Is he not really filling them with the confidence? Are they not motivated to play for him? There's a lot of question marks that, you know, we don't really know. Um, I felt like Farker, there was a unity. Everyone wanted to play for him. The fans were behind it, um, and there probably is elements of this squad that maybe aren't aren't interested, maybe you know, being in a Norwich City shirt anymore. Particularly the way this is going, so yeah, I think there's a lot of people that can take blame, but you know, ultimately Dean Smith's the man who's in charge of these players. He's not getting the best out of them, so he's going to be the one who's going to get the criticism. And um, I think eventually, I think probably fairly soon, it's going to cost him his job. Yeah, I mean, we we've kind of touched upon it, Pad. So let's let's go into it. I mean, the the wider point is is probably around the the wider state of of the club, right? I mean, it's you look at what actually they did during the Daniel Farker era, which Dean Smith, uh, in his defence, hasn't had in terms of people constantly communicating what the plan is, what the direction of travel is, what the aim is. Um, there, there's obviously been a few sound bites out of AGM, out of the AGM, which of course weren't ever put into the public domain because there was no one there to cover it. Um, but there's no one ever actually been sat down in front of a camera saying, right, this is what we're trying to do. This is why, even this is why we made the change. This is why we picked who we picked. That communication has has not been present. So for as much as you can talk about narratives and, oh, well, you know, they've never liked me and they've never liked my style of play. And there's maybe uh, this perhaps perception that there's some ignorance to buy into what the ideas are. I think... To be fair to Norwich fans, there's never really been any communication of what the idea or what the plan is, not just for Dean Smith, but also for the club moving forward as a, as a whole, as there was perhaps in previous eras and previous seasons. No, it's night and day now, uh, the external comms. And, um, you know, we'll put on record if people aren't already aware, we're, we're persona non grata, essentially. Um, so, but it, this isn't an Archon thing or a NewsQuest thing, should I say it correct myself now, but... Any media, any external media, when have we seen Stuart Webber, when have we seen Zoe Ward um, come out and map out what they're trying to achieve and w- what the direction of travel is, as they did, as Stuart Webber did quite brilliantly when he first came in and, and inherited a, 
you know, a, a basket case of a football club, really, in terms of the finances, finances and ageing squad, uh, dilapidated infrastructure at Colney. Um, and, you know, we don't need to get into questions about legacy because he will leave, he will still leave this club if he walked out today in a far healthier state than what he inherited um, for all the angst. Uh, but fundamentally, it's about the future now. It's not about what's gone before. Um, it's about what this club is trying to achieve. And, you know, whether it was us or any other media, that they need they need now to message that. I mean, not not even internal media. When when was last time either of them? I mean, apart from the end of last season, I'm thinking of Stuart Webber's interview with them pre Leeds, wouldn't it? Club controlled, yeah, um, yeah. Would oh, have been post Leeds, sorry, pre Leeds, post Leeds. That was pre Leeds of last season, yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was the last time you know he's he's put himself up um, to explain you know and take questions externally. So, but you know that as I say. We'll move, we'll move it on from where we are in terms of media relations. But fundamentally, if I'm a Norwich fan, do I know what this club are trying to achieve now? What is the direction of travel? Is it the end of that kind of philosophical path that Weber framed with Daniel Farker at his side? Is that now over? Is that era over? There was bits and pieces that came out of the AGM which seemed to infer that was the case and maybe there was a bit more pragmatism required in terms of the football operations at least. Communicate that. Communicate that because... As I say, Dean Smith is in this purgatory where he's not Daniel Farker and it's not Daniel Farker's football and ergo, what's happening? We thought this was the Norwich way. So, you know, communicate that better. And to be fair, in the past, they've accepted that their communication hasn't been good enough and that they haven't got their messaging right. And and immediately I'm thinking about this top 20 mantra, this top 26 mantra, and when they reset it, I don't think they ever really got that messaging out. Um, So, you know, but that's, that's, that's for them to to take a step back and, and see where they are with that but fundamentally you know and they don't really, really want to acknowledge that there is a disconnect or at least a, a widespread disconnect but listen to your fan base listen to them at Cairo tonight look at the empty swathes of seats before during and after that game and take your measure from that you don't need to listen to media externally or internally just your fan base they're the most important constituency are they happy are they happy with where their club are going and it isn't just about losing one game at home to Blackburn. You know, it's a bigger issue than that. It's, um, it's you know, fundamentally, what is this club trying to do in the short, mid, longer term now? I, I don't think that's clear. I don't think that's being communicated. And, you know, until we get to that point, then it doesn't cure everything, of course. You know, there'll, there'll still be plenty of issues and plenty of problems to, to, to unpick. But fundamentally, if you're a Norwich fan and you understand what the club are trying to achieve and what direction they're trying to go in now, um, then I think maybe, you know, at least you can you can frame it through that at the minute. You know, is this the end of the, as I say, the sort of more philosophical approach to we're not buffeted by results on any given week. This is about a holistic approach to our club and doing things differently and being different and being, you know, out of the pack and not being like every other club. Um with the community focus that they're very proud of, quite rightly, then, you know, fundamentally communicate that because this lack of communication, it's not helping their cause, any, you know, whether they want to choose to believe that or not, but they'd be in a far more positive frame of mind, I think, as a football club, if they were retaining that ability to be scrutinised externally, whether it's us or any other media for that matter. Until they do that, till they accept there's an issue, then I don't see how we get past it, but... That, that's fundamentally a different uh, path we're going down. What we need in the here and now is some response to 
you know the events that have culminated tonight in uh, essentially large swathes of the people who did stay telling Dean Smith to uh, depart and not come back. You know that isn't usual. When you get to that point, when that amount of fans, when it's when it slips out of a vocal minority to that level of volume, red warning lights should be coming on in that boardroom and around that executive committee table. Yeah, absolutely, and it's um, it's it's really interesting because I know the view externally will be well, Norwich are fifth, Norwich are you know six points, whatever they are for the top two. What's what's the complaints about? But again, that's that's probably outside looking in, and and probably dare I say it does feel like there's maybe even some internal perspectives that have been that way recently. But it's it's hard to ignore now that there the the club certainly in terms of its relationship with fans that link that chain is undeniably broken we saw it today there was a complete park the dean smith stuff um in terms of his position and and calling for his future there was a complete and utter rejection of what they're seeing on the pitch at this moment in time there was about as brutal and about as 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 clear cut uh, an opinion on what they are being served up and what they are witnessing and it, it was very clear their response and their message to that. That is a problem and you have to resolve that because it's not about the people who are in those positions. It's about fans. It's their football club. People pass through, um, uh, they, they come and go. They try and, and direct certain things in, in, in certain ways. But it's it's the fans ultimately that matter most. It isn't about um, you know speaking to, to certain people or even us wanting certain things at certain points. It's about the fans and what they feel and what they want. And I think they made clear today what they feel needs needs to happen. And in my view, they, they should not be blamed for any ounce of what we've seen this season, last season, because all they have done is responded to a product that has been put on front of, in, in front of them. And it's been made very clear to, today and tonight that what they are seeing, they do not like and they do not want. So now the question is, what are Norwich City going to do about it? It's, um, it's going to be absolutely fascinating, I think, to, to see what happens. But Adam, I mean... From the fans' perspective, what what now? Park the Dean Smith element. What what does happen now in terms of where the fans go with this? Because let's say, and at the moment, Dean Smith is still in post, so we have to talk about that as in its current form. If that remains the case, do you feel there's any possibility that the fans come back on board with what they're seeing at this moment in time? Because it it, it did feel like, and we, we've spoken about it before, that managers have D-days at certain points. Chris Hutton had his against West Brom. Alex Neal had one, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember what the game was, but he, he certainly had one. Um, Huddersfield, yeah. The, the, there are certain moments in time where you, you view a manager's position as being terminal. Do you feel now, because I mean we've kind of got social media up in front of us um, as we're recording this podcast, I don't think I'm yet to see one message in favour of, of Dean Smith or suggesting that he should stay in post this evening. And obviously you have to put that in context that not everyone is on social media. It is just a snippet. But when fans turn like this, it's very, very, very difficult to get them back, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season when they obviously were going on those good runs or these six wins on the bounce, everyone was still saying... I'm not convinced by the performances. You know, it felt like it was almost that bad run was inevitable. It was going to come, um, <clears throat> and fans were waiting for it. It came. He then kind of had a sort of, sort of D Day against Stoke. Obviously, got the three-one victory, and that maybe quietened the noise a little bit. They've obviously picked up a few good results on the road here and there, but again, not been performing very well. It's just been one of them where a lot of the teams they've come up against on the road, Rotherham, Swansea, maybe lack that you know penetrative uh, bit of quality to to finish the chances they've had. So. 
it's been at Carrow that's been the issue. And I think even if they then go to Luton and they get a positive result, they're then back at Carrow for two home games on the bounce. It's only going to take one negative performance, you know, one bad result. And that whole place is going to be exactly the same as it was today, if not worse, because they're going to have another defeat on the board. Um, and my concern is the longer this that he's in post, we're going to see Carrow be more and more empty. Uh, it's going to, the atmosphere is going to be even more flat. And obviously I'm speaking from a, a fan's perspective, but obviously also someone that covers the club. And, and even I don't see a way back for it now. I think, you know, there's been managers in the past where, you know, they maybe had an attachment to the club. Dean Smith doesn't really have that. I think we were then speaking about that on the way up. What's Dean Smith done since he since he's arrived? He, he took the club down, albeit that that's probably not completely his fault. There's obviously you know he's inherited a, a squad that ultimately wasn't good enough down to poor recruitment. The summer's come round. I think there can probably be some angles fired or shots fired in terms of the recruitment again in the summer. Only four players brought in. Um, it maybe needed a bit more of a reset. But my concern is that the longer that Dean Smith's in post, they've got all these players out of contract in the summer. It, it just feels like this toxic kind of feeling um, that you, you can literally pick up off social media you've only got to put hashtag NCFC into Twitter and you can literally see it in front of your eyes you've only got to be at Carrow Road and you can see it as well um, it's only going to get worse I don't see a way that this gets better even if he starts picking up results unless the performances are drastically different which they've not been at any single point in 23 games so far this season that this changes um, it's going to take a, a fairly sizable block of games with positive performances before I think anyone could even get back on board and to me, it's probably like 99% now of the fan base are, are probably against him. Um, I'm struggling to even find 1%, to be honest. So, yeah, I don't see a way back. And um, I think that, you know, those in, in power have probably got to, if they're not, you know, if they're ignoring the noise, which is the mantra uh, around the football club, um, you know, the fans are the ones that ultimately have the biggest voice and they're only going to voice those opinions more and more, um, particularly if the results don't pick up and, and Dean Smith's still in post. Yeah, absolutely. It's... Um... It's 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 really interesting. We we've obviously got as well, Pad, um, to to throw into it a festive a festive period where Norwich. This was kind of the start of um, four of the next five at home. Obviously, that includes Blackburn returning for the the FA Cup in uh, in early January, I think it is. But but the home games are, are Reading and Watford as well. Watford in particular looks a, an interesting one there now above Norwich City um, in third. Uh, that could be really interesting if if we're still in this holding pattern by the time they come to Cairo. But we, we've kind of spoken about the attendance today. No official figure was given and they're slightly skewered anyway because they always include um, season ticket holders. There, there are obviously difficulties in terms of train strikes. There's um, various elements in terms of the weather and it was absolutely freezing today. The game was televised. I'm sure people will point to that. But with season ticket renewals around the corner as well, the fact that the price was raised this year for supporters to come in and watch games at Carrow Road, given the current um, economic climate as well, there's there's probably a debate to be had around that. But how concerning, we've spoken about those who were in the stadium, but how concerning should the sheer amount of empty seats be to those people in, in positions of power, even in spite of what we've spoken about? Because as I said, if, if that's a game against Manchester City in the Premier League, I still think Carroll Road is, is full and, and, and maybe people find a way. Maybe there's not that willingness to find a way to get to Carroll Road in, in a sense. Oh, it should be a powerful signal because, you know, fundamentally that's a little bit like the results. You can't really dispute that. Um, and yes, OK, there are factors this time of year why there might be a few empty seats, but that scale of empty seats, not for me. Um, there was a lot more empty seats come the final whistle. So, and that, that's... 
it's felt like it's gone that way in, in these recent home games. Maybe not to the mark degree it was today, but um, you know you have started to see a few pockets opening up, and you know you can't speak for those fans, but but you have to surmise that that it is down to what what they feel they're getting served up by way of entertainment, and it's a fair point. You know, season ticket renewals are over the next month, two months, going to start dropping through letter boxes and. You know, when times are as tough as they are now, uh, generally for a lot of families, um, you know, what's the incentive at the minute? You know, if you if you if you had faithfully gone to these last seven games at Car Road, have you been entertained? Have you had value for money? Do you feel you've seen a team on the park who, uh, you know, are playing a brand of football that you find attractive and that is residually effective at winning games? And the answer to all of those questions is no. So if that doesn't change over this next period, then. You know, we'll, I think we'll just see this continuation of people staying away. Um, you know, you tend to get it in what we do that you, you do see, you know, a, di- a decline after a game in terms of the interest. People just want to switch off. They just want to, we'll park that now. We'll go and do something else on Saturday night if it's a Saturday three o'clock game or a 5.30 game. And then we'll pick it up maybe in seven days' time or whenever the next game is and just zone out and, and just, you know, we don't need, we don't need the... Uh, the angst and the misery in our lives, basically. Well, you know, if that translates from maybe not going onto a a Twitter account or going onto a website or consuming it in any other form um, to actually not attending games, then if you're uh, anything to do with the commercial element of ticket sales at that football club, then the alarm bell should be ringing um, because they will know without needing to be told that it's the product on the pitch. That's what drives everything. You know, commercially, uh, any any football club, and, and obviously a club that place a premium on generating funds and revenue to sustain their business model. So, you know, again, they may say, well, you know, that's that's a complete overreaction, but um, the evidence was there today, and and if you choose to uh, pivot towards it was because all these other festive reasons, or then fair enough, but. Um, you know, let's let's see where we are if if we continue on this trajectory at Car Road in terms of the, the results and performances, the lack of entertainment. Um, I'm pretty sure they will they will swiftly realise that the two are connected. They're not mutually exclusive, and uh, you know, I think that might sharpen the focus as well moving forward in this period. That um, you know, if the product is not resonating enough that people want to part with money and and turn up and show their support, then you know. The bot, then something fundamentally has to change. Otherwise, what happens? You continue to hemorrhage support, and that's not a that's not a, a desired path to go down for any football club. Least least of all a self funded, self financed club. So, you know, I'm sure that there are people at Cairo looking at those attendances, and maybe they won't externally say anything, um, but internally, that should be a cause for alarm. Older fault. Yeah, one to one to monitor in, in the weeks ahead. Um, definitely, uh, we I realise that we've we've gone quite a long way into the pod without actually speaking about the game. So uh, Norwich conceded after four minutes. Ben Gibson uh, turning into his own net a little bit unfortunate that one. Um, not a particularly great game for for Ben Gibson. I would imagine we'll see Andrew Omabamadeli back in for for the Boxing Day clash against Luton. Uh, Norwich then have plenty of the ball. Don't really do a lot with it. Um, Second half follows a similar pattern to an extent. Uh, Tyrese Dolan adds a second. I think the shot deflected off Gibson again, didn't it? And, and into the back of the net. That makes it 2-0 on, on the counter. Um, McCallum, it was actually, yeah. McCallum, was it? Yeah, yeah. Gibson squared him up. Right, yeah. So it, it deflects off McCallum. I'll correct myself. Um, 
And again, we had this situation, Adam, where it just kind of felt like the only real solution that Norwich City, Dean Smith, Craig Shakespeare and the coaching team had was just to kind of look behind them and go, who's an attacking player? Do you fancy coming on, lads? And it just kind of felt like, I mean, Kieran Dow came on, Onel Hernandez came on, Adam Ida came on, Marcelino Nunez came on. There's nothing wrong per se with any of those changes, but there was a complete and utter lack of structure when they did come onto the pitch. It was kind of throwing them on and hoping that something would happen. And Onel Hernandez, uh, for example, I felt did have a, a relatively positive impact. I felt Josh Sargent had a really good game today and it will get lost slightly in the in the overall um, narrative, to use that word again, uh, of uh, of the game. But this kind of... I don't know, felt quite desperate. What, 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 did, what did you make of how Norwich City responded to, to falling behind? Because there was an inevitability as soon as they conceded that opening goal about the way the game would go. Yeah, obviously there was masses of space for, for Blackburn to exploit because it felt like Norwich were probably you know, trying to chase the game initially from, from what, four minutes in when, when Blackburn have taken the lead. And yeah, holding to the substitutions, you know, I, th- I think someone like Dan Alcinani is probably quite lucky to still be on the pitch. Um, as long as he was, you know, I think Gabriel Sara was arguably more effective in the first half. Not that you know he was particularly great, but um, yeah, I think particularly when he's making those substitutions, it was a, a little bit of a struggle. I mean, I was just looking at the expected goals. Norwich had an expected goals of, of one point three two, Blackburn zero point four one. But I felt like Blackburn, despite that that stat, probably had the the much better chances in the game. Um, you know, and it just, it just feels like it's been one of it's well, we almost feel like we're repeating ourselves every single home game feels exactly the same at the moment um, as soon as it goes 1-0 you're almost waiting for that second goal to come in because it doesn't feel like Norwich have really got the ability to to find the back of the net and yeah I, I, it's just one of them again where Blackburn have come to Carrow Road they've done exactly what every other team's done so far this season they've they've set up and effectively won the game and Dean Smith can you know reference uh, expected goals or, or other stats possession shots those kind of stats are completely redundant when when Norwich are losing games and one win in seven at Carrow tells you that you know you don't need to hone back to possession or we've had the second most shots in the league. I mean that's then you know, I saw someone tweet it. Uh, Daniel Solani's free kick today is a shot on target. Um, it's not troubled the it's goalkeeper. Context, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it, in when you put it into the wider context, you know that's that's another one of them games where where Norwich have been deservedly beaten and and yeah I can only see it continuing that trend um, into the upcoming games because people know how to play against Norwich and similarly to, to how teams in the Premier League used to, to know how to set up against Daniel Farkasal I think everyone knows how to set up against the Dean Smith side in the Championship and, and that's quite concerning when you look at the players that Norwich City have got and, and where they should be in the league versus where they actually are. Yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is interesting how, how the stats have been taken and, and interpreted in a certain way. You have to add context to them as, as you quite rightly say there. If you have a shot from... 40 yards that, that that counts as a shot you can have 40 shots from 40 yards and your shot count looks amazing but realistically you've not troubled the goalkeeper so it's about how you in, in, interpret these stats in, in a sense and, uh, and and how you use them in, in that way so and again partly down to as I said earlier game state Blackburn allowed Norwich to have the ball they invited Norwich City onto them that means they are going to have more possession they are going to have more shots I, I would question how many clear cut opportunities they had that sergeant header really was probably about it. Isaac Hayden had a, a tame header in the first half. Kenny McLean had one from a corner. There was never one where I thought, oh, that's an amazing save by Kaminsky uh, beyond the sergeant one, actually. So um, I, I don't quite buy that because they had lots of possession and, and lots of shots that they were 
they were the they were the better team. Pad, I mean, your your sort of general reflections on the game. We've spoken about Dean Smith and and his position, and maybe the wider malaise that is present at Norwich City. But what did you make actually of their their performance and and the way that they approached it? Passive is a word that's been used quite a lot, but certainly this week by by Kenny McLean. Did did you feel there was a passive nature to what they were doing today? Well, I mean that sums up Dean Smith's Norwich City. I mean they just don't look a very well coached team and it's hard to escape the f- feeling that it isn't the players per se yes of course they're culpable um because they are not going out there and, and carrying out what he wants them to do but by the same token you know he has a depth of resource as good as any in this division you know as i say today reiterate today no ramsey no no countwell no yanulis um all all selection calls on his part um and as a re- as a result, you know, I think the blame does have to lay lay with him, and we've seen that before. They just they don't appear capable of coming up with a residually effective style of play. Now that that's not harking back to a Farker total football. Um, it doesn't and, need to be that. Though, no, does it? because there's plenty of other teams up and around the top of that division who l- look like they are capable of of competing at the right end with a style that suits. Them, Sheffield United, being a that style, of, yeah, the, the group of players they've got, and and their head coaches. So, why are Norwich seemingly in this internal struggle? It feels all the time to extract more from, you know, pretty plentiful resource for this level. Um, certainly better than what we're seeing in terms of results and performances. So, it all does sadly point back squarely at the door of Dean Smith, Craig Shakespeare, and his coaching staff that they haven't been able to impart their methods successfully on this group of players and you know why that is then you know maybe it'll come out in the fullness of time but but fundamentally um as I said to repeat what I said earlier you keep banging your head against the brick wall you're eventually gonna have to stop because your head's gonna be absolutely pounding and it just feels like they're doing the same things week in week out primarily with the same groups of players and it fundamentally isn't working and um you know anybody who was surely defending Smith and his methods after Swansea would have to say that what they've they've seen today um, is enough's enough, surely. So, but ultimately, the people who matter, they, they will have to arrive at a similar conclusion. And if they still believe that Smith can turn it around, as he himself was quite bullish in his post match, um, there was no, I didn't get any sense of defeatism or a guy who's waiting to be put out of his misery. He clearly feels that he's still the right person to to get this group of players firing and and in an upward direction, but. You know, very, very, very hard to see how a way path, a, a path that leads in Dean Smith getting this group of players in promotion contention this season. So, if that's the case, then you know something needs to happen. Something needs to change because the status quo is fundamentally not working on every level, inside and outside the football club. I'm, I'm going to ask you both a, a question uh, now. If, if just park everything to one side almost close your eyes and go into a bit of a, a hazy state. What what would you like Norwich City to look like? What 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 is the desirable, I suppose? What does this Norwich City team need to do to be functional and I'm not talking in terms of head coach or players, I'm talking purely in terms of style. I guess you could broaden that out and talk about connection with with fans and players. What does that need what does it need to look like moving forward that, that currently it doesn't look like Pad, I'll start with you. Well, fundamentally, midfield. I mean, Isaac Hayden, I've put it in my pointers this evening. Um, there's clearly a player there, a very experienced player, a Premier League-grade player, but 
it's a guy who hadn't played football for 12 months and he looks physically uh, unable to do the job that I'm sure Smith hoped he would be able to, which was set the tempos, control that midfield, connect the dots from back to front. Um, you know, the tracks of space that the Blackburn players again had to to roam in today. Um, and that's not an isolated game. We've seen that. And, and it isn't just all on Hayden's shoulders. I think just fundamentally that midfield isn't fit for purpose. What are they trying to achieve? You know, are they trying to counter teams? If so, they need more dynamism and more drive. If they're trying to control the ball, then they actually need players with a range of passing that, um, you know, is good enough to set that tempo. And every time Liam Gibbs comes on, it looks a different kettle of fish to me. So, you know, I'd fundamentally be, um, if we're saying this head coach stays, this group of players is as is, how do we get more out of this group? I think it starts and finishes with the midfield because you look at the top end of the pitch, you've got two players in Puki and Sargent. What are they now? 16 goals between them in the championship. Um, they will score goals with the right service. Defensively, personally, I'd like to see Omabama Daly back in instead of Gibson. But other than that, maybe Yanulis for, for McCallum. Um, I don't think there's too much wrong personnel wise with that and the setup. But midfield, that balance isn't working. And, and I think Hayden's an issue in there. In his current state, you know, if he'd have had this injury-free run and he'd played from the start of the season, it could be a different scenario. But it isn't. That's the hand that's been dealt. Um, but until they have players in there, comfortable on the ball, able to exert a degree of control, and that, again, isn't some slavish return to Farker or even Russell Martin style, but actually able to get on the ball and, you know, progressively get Norwich up the pitch rather than this... As you said earlier, just throw on as every attacking player you've got available and hope for something to drop in the box, um, almost a percentages game. Until we see something better from a Smith midfield, then I fear nothing's going to change. You're going to have Pookie and Sargent isolated. You're going to have a defence that aren't having the protection and going to get out breached, particularly on the counter against teams as good as Blackburn. So for me, it's midfield areas until he can find the right personnel in the right formula. We'll be back here again under this head coach. I feel like the key is probably Adam Eder being back fit. Um, you look at the most probably successful period of games that Norwich had um, under Dean Smith, and that was probably Watford and Everton last season in the Premier League. Obviously, Norwich kind of went for a... It was almost like a 4-2-4, wasn't it? dream days. Yeah, those, those <laughs> felt like good days in the Premier League. Um, it was almost, you know, Pookie, Eder, Sargent as a wide man, and obviously it was for Sheetser, but, you know, someone like Anano Hernandez maybe not got the quality in terms of the final third, but almost go back to that I think at least that team had a little bit of an attacking um, you know a little bit of an attacking threat about it um, I just want Norwich to almost reset go back to basics um, and play football in the championship that, that they we know they can play you know we've seen it I'm not saying you know Dean Smith's suddenly going to start you know make this team play fartball it's, you know it's, it's completely it's not going to happen but I think he needs to look at what has been successful and I think Adam Eder is the key to that. You know, Obviously, it's going to take him a little bit of time probably to build himself back up to full match fitness, but we know that he's a, a very good player, a little bit injury prone, but um, certainly a talent, for, particularly for the championship and a man who's physically capable of dealing with big physical championship defenders. So I want to see them utilise him. I think Liam Gibbs has got to be a, a starter. You know, I think even when he came on today, a few, few poor passes here and there, but on the whole... A lot more progressive in terms of Norwich pushing forward. Um, he looks forward for for passes, you know, and I think maybe you look at that first half. You know, there's probably an argument that the likes of Sarah and McLean are probably looking backwards, and and obviously then you end up with this situation where the fans are frustrated that Norwich are passing it around the back and and guns lo- sort of launching clearances out out, you know, out of play completely. So, 
yeah, Adam Eder's one I want to see over in this festive period. I think that's the you know almost a an ingredient or a recipe for Norwich actually trying to play some good football. What we kind of saw in in patches in the Premier League when he was fit. Yes, absolutely. Um, that that's 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 probably enough on the football. This this uh, I don't want to preempt anything, but this this is planned to be the last pod before Christmas. It might not work out like that if obviously events are are overtaken, maybe in a in a <laughs> overtake us in a slightly different sense. But of course, until that happens, um, we'll, we'll adjust accordingly. So you you may well get a different podcast if 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 events um transpire from here. But uh, it'd be rude of us not to talk about Christmas a little bit. Uh, pad Christmas dinner the the staple of a Christmas. What what are you looking at? What if a plate is put down in front of you? What are you hoping to see there? Literally the the traditionals. Any any curveballs on your plate? Mm, well, nothing that I can think of, Connor. You've completely thrown me going on this attack. Um, this might say more about my state of mind and being hungry, but yeah, well, I've just looked at the time. Yeah, and uh, definitely food is more appetising than dissecting the carcass of Dean Smith for Norwich City. But uh, <laughs> food, let me think. No, I don't think now we're pretty uh, middle of the road in my house when Gravy. it comes to Christmas. Obviously, cranberry sauce. No, I'm not a no, big fan of that. No, no, no. Here's one for you because this divides. Moving it on from Maine, Christmas pudding in favour or not? I'm not a fan, Adam. I'm personally not a fan of uh, dried fruit, so no, that'll be a no for me. There you go. It's quite a few people. I, I don't mind it as long as there's a bit of icing thrown in as well, but. Uh, yeah, it's amazing how divisive Christmas pudding is, a bit like Dean Smith, or maybe not too divisive at the minute. Maybe we should wrap it there. Yeah, Adam, I'm going to ask you the same. Christmas Christmas lunch, anything like Brussels sprouts? That's another point of contention. You see, I've, I've grown more fond of Brussels sprouts over time. When, yeah. back in, you is, know, is this your experience of going to Belgium and whatnot? Yeah, well, back in my younger days, not that I'm old, but <laughs> that's. But you know, I was not a massive fan. It was kind of one of them things that like, my mum would be like, you have to have one, because mm. it would be rude not to. Where now I can probably stomach like five. So there's definitely progress. But, um, I mean, you know, for a man who's been around a few places and experienced a few food, cultural food, um, you know, things in recent months, um, you can't beat the Christmas dinner. I think that's probably, to me, if you're going to put, you know, like top, it's almost like Daniel Farker football. It's unbelievable. You know, you, you want more of it. If you could have it every single day, you would. Mm. Except it probably wouldn't do very much for, for your waistline. But... Yeah, massive fan of Christmas dinner. Um, probably gonna have a few in the, in this week. Obviously, we've got a, a meal out as well, so that's gonna be one more one more Christmas dinner than I was probably expecting. So, um, yeah, gonna have to probably hit the exercise trail in in January. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. Turkey. Oh, I love a turkey. Yeah, turkeys. That's kind of the one. I mean, I'm at my grandparents, and there's been times in in recent years where they've maybe steered away from a turkey and gone for another another option, but. Um, no, I reaffirmed that it's got to be a turkey, and that's traditional. So yeah, we're going for a turkey this year. Yeah, some some people like different meats. Pad, where are you on Brussels sprouts? Not a big fan. Are you not? No, no, very anti. In fact, now I think about it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Adam's forgetting we had a nice Christmas meal at Swansea, didn't we? We did. We, we did. did. Swansea's medium, very helpful, very cooperative. Um, a very nice meal it was too. So uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, Adam sounds like he's going for it. On our, I'm not going to say the day of our Christmas meal because pound to a penny that'll be the night they press yeah, a button yeah, yeah, on yeah, some yeah, event yeah. that could happen yeah. so we, we won't we'll keep it on up our sleeve but i don't think i'll be going well maybe i will i'll have to look i haven't looked at the menu boys obviously that man has <laughs> so uh so yeah no maybe maybe it might be a trio of christmas meals by the time we get to boxing day night uh luton is actually used to be quite nice on the cake front luton mm-hmm. town yeah without you know going into the it's not uh, hopefully it's not christmas pudding then. no 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 <laughs> but the forbidden territory of press food but uh they used yeah. to used to like to serve up a nice cake 
so, I'm partial to a cake. Yeah, but you can see it now. It'll be leftover Christmas cake, yeah. won't it? So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, anyway, that might be the least of our worries at Luton Town if uh, things haven't improved dramatically on the pitch. Yes, absolutely, gents. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you all very much for listening as well. Of course, uh, we'll have coverage across our Pink and Channels. Plenty more analysis and reaction to this defeat. You can uh, watch Dean Smith's reaction on uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can uh, obviously read his words on the website as well. Subscribe to Pink and Plus if you're yet to do that. There'll be some reaction from Grant Hanley there as well, um, potentially by the time you listen to this. So plenty of stuff to come. Obviously, we'll keep you updated to any twists and turns that may come over the coming days slash week. And we will be at Kenilworth Road for uh, Norwich City's clash against Luton on Boxing Day. So that leaves me to say, have a very, very Merry Christmas from everyone here at the Pinkin. And uh, we will see you again very, very soon.